Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside a special guest host tonight. I'll bring in this man in just a second. But before I do, today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me later this week so you can get involved in the action. So as I said, a special guest today, a man I've met on a number of occasions over in the US when I was still over there. He does cover the league in general. He's in Milwaukee right now covering the NBA Finals, which I must admit I'm a little bit jealous about. It is Shane Young, who writes for Forbes. You see him on Twitter. He's very prominent. I've been on Twitter for about three years, Shane. I think you were probably one of the first people I followed on there. We've interacted for a number of years. But the, the first question I have for you, we met, I believe, if I've got this right, the first time in person at a shoot-around, a Milwaukee shoot-around in India, I think. So... I've always been a little bit thrown off because you do cover the Clippers and I thought you were in LA. Where do you actually live? <laughs> Dude, first of all, Kane, it's awesome to be on. Thank you for, for reaching out to me uh, you know, during this special series and having me on, first of all. But it, everybody asked me that. I had a buddy in Utah that was asking me, Shane, like, where are you based out of? And I basically just said, like, I'm not based out of anywhere. I live in Louisville, Kentucky. People call it Louisville, 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 whatever you want to call it. I do not care. Um, but long story short, I grew up there about 20 minutes from Louisville and went to University of Louisville, graduated in 2017. So, like, that's just my hometown, and you know as well as I do. You know even even better than I do. It's really hard next to impossible to get a full-time gig doing this in this industry. It, it is just a nightmare. So even for an American, even for someone that's been over here and, and still trying to grind and do it, I'm still trying to get that full-time gig. So yes, I like I do cover the Clippers remotely, um, but I do try to get out to LA as much as I can. So you know, you know how it is. I, I, I save up a lot of money during the regular season so I can go on playoff ex- expeditions. <laughs> no, I love it. I was pumped to see that you were going to be at these games in Milwaukee and. Look, we know this and, and everyone that's, that's listening to this podcast that perhaps has had a chance to get to a game, whether it's in Phoenix or Milwaukee, I think I've never done it. I was very close to doing it in 2019. I, in fact, <laughs> I was, uh, to the point where I think there was some accommodation that may have been pre-booked or flights to Oakland at that point when we thought Milwaukee were going to get to the finals. But it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for uh, a lot of people. So I think it's awesome that you're there. And I'll say this quickly. I've been, I think I've been slammed for saying this in the past. But that basketball arena in India is still one of my favorites. It's an old school basketball Man. arena. So I always love covering games there. And, uh, and I remember meeting you there at that shoot around. And the thing I love is the, the glass panes and there's this daytime. You get some sunlight in there as well. Yeah. It's just a nice basketball arena. It, not only is it nice, uh, not only was it nice then, I think they have actually changed a few things. Now, it's just small tweaks in Indiana, mm-hmm. but. I can't remember. Uh, I know. I know the date that I met you. It was 
because I'm looking at the game log because I'm a psycho. Because uh, Giannis <laughs> had one of his greatest games up until that point. Uh, that was his first MVP year. Between, no? Yeah, first MVP yep. year, 2018-19. And it was in mid-February, and he had 33-19-11 in Indy. And it just felt, it felt like his dominance was so quiet but then you look up; it's one of the, he's one of those players, one of those all-time figures that you, you look up, and he has the most incredible numbers, and it, and it feels like he's done next to nothing. And anyway, um, they have kind of like revamped that arena in Indy, where the lighting is better now. It, it used to be kind of darker; now now it feels more lit up. And uh, I, I really enjoy all the renovations they've done. And then the practice facility setup is just like Milwaukee, where it's right across the street. So. One of the reasons why I wanted to get you on this podcast, not only have you been covering the Clippers pretty closely, so you know the Clippers certainly better Mm -hmm. than I do, but as a result of that, you were covering the Western Conference Finals. And while we were uh, had our eyes glued to Milwaukee and Atlanta, you've been watching the Suns pretty closely here for an extended stretch. So you probably know the Suns, uh, well, certainly better than I do, and... I mentioned this to you before we started recording that I'm not generally someone that, that really goes out of my way to make serious predictions, but I am curious. I mean, the Suns were, yeah. I would say, favorites coming into the NBA Finals. I think a big part of that was the uncertainty around Giannis, also home court, and just the fact that Phoenix are a damn good team. What, what was mm-hmm. your sense before this series began? Yeah, my sense was that it was going to be a tightly contested series. Despite the Giannis, despite the Giannis injury, uh, him being hindered, like I think we all kind of figured he was going to appear in the series. I don't think we knew, uh, even I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I don't think we knew that it was going to be game one. <laughs> it's certainly not me. I thought maybe you know game two, game three, they would kind of uh, use game one to fill it out and give him a little bit more rest. But personally, I thought like this would be a, this would be a tight series through and through. I picked Suns in six just for the the sheer fact of Chris. Paul and Devin Booker are masters at the areas that Milwaukee would prefer to give up. And I think what gets lost in playoff basketball is, you know, you, you coaches say it all the time. And I, th- I don't think us as media or, or the fans kind of listen to this and take this in, but you have to give up something. And Milwaukee, you know, gives up a lot of those uh, above the break threes to, to, you know, pretty good shooters or, or, you know, average shooters is what they were hoping for. But, you know, I, I feel like Phoenix doesn't put any average shooters out there. They all, you know, pretty good to great uh, besides Aiton when he's, when they're playing traditionally. But I just thought like they were going to be able to feast on the, on the type of looks that Budenholzer's teams have, have mostly given up. And, you know, I, I kind of, I, I did, and I did like to see the Bucks switching a lot and kind of take, trying to take that away. But even then, if you switch a lot, which we saw in game one, you're kind of just inviting Chris and Devin to attack the bigs or, or attack the weakest defender on the floor and get to their favorite spots, their sweet spots. So, you know, I, I kind of just thought it would be lost on the margins for Milwaukee. But and, and it, it really kind of played out that way in the first two games. But I think, I think you know, suffice to say, we have seen enough in game three, I think, that, that – this series could potentially shift momentum. So the shoot is, or the shooting is certainly interesting to me anyway, because I think when we looked at game two and and I've really felt that all three games in this series 
have been closer than probably the margin. So, I mean, we're looking at three double-digit results, but I think Milwaukee in the first two games were probably close enough that you thought that there was a chance they could win the game late. Phoenix in the third quarter got it back to four, and I, I think it took the Bucks with some some pretty good shot making. Drew Holiday, obviously, in the yeah. third quarter, Giannis really taking over. They were able to separate, but I do, again, think that that was a closer game, and there were some factors that went into that. But sometimes it is just knocking down threes, and I thought the Bucks in game two, by their own admission, as they adjusted to what we saw in game one with the switching. Obviously, they went back to playing drop coverage a fair bit. Drew Holiday really keyed in on Chris yeah. Paul. But the Suns just couldn't miss a shot. And they were 63% on wide open threes. 22 out of the 40 attempts were wide open. In game three, it was kind of similar. I mean, the volume was down yeah. for Phoenix, but they attempted 31 threes. 14 of those were wide open, but they only hit 37%. And and, and this, you know, when we, when we look at how you can win... <laughs> a playoff game in a really tight series, sometimes it's that easy. Phoenix didn't make shots in game three. They did in game two. It was wild to see the stark difference in shot making. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, I I say this all the time on Twitter, so I'm kind of going against my own words, but I always say like, you know, make or miss league, that's kind of what it comes down to. And, and, you know, you echoed that as well a minute ago. Sometimes it does come down to just making or missing on good looks. But I thought Milwaukee did a good job of taking away all those good looks or majority of them. And so I think like, even though from the Phoenix side of things, you can say, Oh, you can probably bet that in game four, they're going to revert back to the norm and, and, you know, they'll hit more threes. It'll be a tighter game. Um, You won't see, you know, a 25 point bucks leader or whatever, but it's like at the same time, like Milwaukee's formula defensively was better. You kind of alluded to it. The number that really sticks out to me, man, they, the, the Suns only managed to get up three corner threes. They missed all three for a team that, that specializes in the Spain pick and roll, the pick and roll, the traditionally um, getting the defense to shift, getting getting the defense to rotate to Aiton when he's diving to the rim. And I think his foul trouble only playing 24 minutes has a lot to do with the reason they only got up three of these attempts. I think the rim gravity and, and their penetration on those pick and rolls is what allows them to get the corner threes and they they hit they hit 10 of 17 of them in game two so like that that might be i mean i'm no like historian and i can't really find these i don't think we can find these numbers but that might be the biggest difference from a game to game we've ever seen in playoff history history like nailing 10 threes of the of the best variety the corners and then just going zero from three like it, it was a wild to see how much milwaukee kind of discouraged a lot of those attempts or took them away with their intense ball pressure at the top. All right, Shane, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Spotify Green Room. Now, this episode is brought to you by Green Room. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms once a week as the playoffs continue to roll in. So you can join in on the conversation with me uh, that we talk about every day here on the show. So if there's anything you ever wanted to bring up to discuss to have your voice on the show you can do that with spotify green room so be sure to join me uh, later this week i will host a show there i'll let you know on this podcast i'll let you know via twitter so you'll know where to go there so just download the green room app and then you can join the nba group 
follow me at Kane Pittman. You'll be notified when my room goes live at Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. It was interesting because generally the Bucks defensively have been pretty good at defending the corners. And to see that type of barrage in game two, I think is kind of a fair indication of how a series can shift throughout from game one through yeah. to potentially a game seven. So we've seen the Bucks make a series of adjustments here so far. We'll see what they do in game four. I think Giannis said it after game three, but the Bucks, you know, you have to give them some credit over the course of the series that they've played so far this postseason. They have seemed to figure it out as the series has gone on. And mm-hmm. I think that's why they'll be feeling pretty good at the moment. But as far as Phoenix go, I mean, we've discussed the fact that I'm not sure. I mean, we've seen five games now against the Suns with Giannis. I'm not sure that they even have an answer for him. Certainly the depth has been (laughs) majorly tested right now. But I think it does, and the more I've thought about this, it it could simply just come down to Chris Milton and Drew Holiday. Now we saw Drew Mm -hmm. come unglued in the third quarter of Game 3. Chris Milton had 15 points in the first half of that one. But Milton and Bridges has been a fascinating matchup. Clearly that's a difficult task for Chris Milton with a guy as talented as Bridges. But but what can the Suns do? As you're watching this series, and we again, we can just point to it and say, well, if they hit shots, they're going to increase their chances of winning, no doubt. But defensively, is there anything they can actually do to change? Because I, I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm just not sure. Yeah. I don't think there is something you know, systematically they can do or schematically. I, personally, I think what it's going to come down to is, and it feels crazy to say because the Suns lead 2-1, and they're still favorites by 538, still favorites by Vegas. You know, they're still probably, if you had to bet, I think they are going to win the series. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think what it comes down to for them to stop Giannis, which, you know, this comparison has been thrown up so much, you know, maybe on this podcast too, but, like, to stop the Shaq-type dominance that we're seeing him, you know, from him in the paint, you might just have to sell out. You might just have to sell out and put every single body on him, which we, we saw for a couple possessions, one that I highlighted in my piece earlier today where, you know, he caught the ball after some early offensive action. I think, you know, Chris Middleton got the rebound off a, of a Phoenix miss, immediately pushed it down the floor and was like directing Giannis to screen early, like, you know, with 19, 20 on the shot clock, you know, just a quick screen and roll because he knew the corners were filled. He knew that they had the adequate spacing to do so. And when Giannis released the screen and rolled, literally like four or five, all five sons were just a foot in the paint, monitoring him, eyes glued to him. Like you might just have to sell out and, and kind of dare the others to make shots. And we've seen that from, from a, a LeBron team or, you know, a LeBron team that he's facing. We've seen, you know, them corral him with extra defenders and, and force the others to kind of beat you that might be what has to happen. I think, obviously, you, you have the the wall, the quote-unquote wall that Toronto did in 2019, kind of you know set the standard for that, and every team's been trying to uh, mimic it ever since. And that Bucks team in 2019 didn't have, enough, didn't have as much shooting, I would think, and then didn't have, I, you know, personally, I, I just don't think they had as smart of players. I, I, I think this Bucks team 
is the smartest and most dialed in, most prepared we've seen. So it might come back to bite the Suns if they do that, but you, you might just have to, uh, instead of playing it traditionally, because um, Giannis is destroying any traditional coverage you give him, he's destroying Aiton when he's on the floor. If the Suns go small, you know as well as I do, it is barbecue chicken. It might be the most disgusting thing ever <laughs> when Giannis <laughs> is going against Frank Kaminsky or name your other uh, a smaller big. Uh, so I, I, th- I think you might have to just force Holiday and Middleton and and Pat Connaughton and all these guys, Bobby Portis, you know, including to to beat you from the outside. Considering how poor the Bucks have been shooting the ball from the outside, I've been at least a little surprised that we haven't seen more of this throughout the postseason. Yeah. And again, I mean, you you point to it. I mean, we can sit here and say, well, just put more bodies in the paint. That'll do it. Uh, it it's a lot more difficult than that. And I think that's why the, the versatility, the diversity with how they've used Giannis and, and started to develop different ways to use him is so critical. He spoke about, uh, Giannis spoke about the wall and going up against the wall in this morning's media availability. But I, I do think, and we saw it, and you pointed to it already, and I think it's an important point to make. It's not just running pick-and-roll actions or using Giannis as a screener or getting him in different positions on the floor. It's doing it really quickly and not yeah. messing around. And I, and I think in the past, we've certainly seen it, and the Middleton-Giannis pick-and-roll has always been a money play for the Bucks. But I think you add another element when you do it early in the shot clock and you get the move, oh, yeah. um, get, the, get the action really rolling. And so I think anytime you have the eyes of the defense on someone else other than Giannis, that's pretty much the, all the window he needs to be able to either be a lob threat. Chris Milton can find him with that, that pocket pass that he's become pretty good at, um, even if it's, it's not always exactly on point. <laughs> I think we saw a few occasions of that where Giannis was just good enough to, to collect the ball and then mm-hmm. finish. But, but yeah, I, I think if you're Phoenix, that has to be the only answer. The question I would have with DeAndre Ayton, I mean, you already mentioned it. I, I think we're at the point now where if he gets in foul trouble, it's hard to see Phoenix winning a game because Giannis is just going to be able to go to work. So I'm curious, with Jay Crowder and with DeAndre Ayton as the two guys that they feel pretty comfortable that they can at least make life a little bit difficult. I wouldn't say they're stopping Giannis because they, they haven't. But I, I do wonder if we see more of Jay Crowder on Giannis early in the game to at least try and keep DeAndre Ayton away from him and, and mm-hmm. be able to stay in the game. Yeah, I mean, w- I think we saw a couple possessions of that as well. There, you know, um, I particularly like whenever Milwaukee tries to clear that strong side corner and then immediately go to like a Drew Giannis uh, pick and roll where it's going to be Crowder, uh, you know, guarding Giannis. We saw a couple of possessions of that where, you know, as, if, if, as long as Giannis sets the screen hard and, and gets out quickly and Aiton is, is like the help, he's the low man or like the help defender at the rim, then, you know, it, it, you're not going to stop Giannis with a full head of steam. So even that scenario with, with Crowder, taking Giannis all you all they have to do is is just run a quick pick and roll and if Giannis is able to get by Crowder and they get that pass to him cleanly I mean Aiton is not going to want to get foul trouble by by being the rotator there so I mean it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what Monty Williams does and you know he's Monty's very level-headed and very like calm cool and collected all the time he didn't seem concerned he just thought that they kind of lost I guess quote unquote on the margins where you know what do you call them? The, the, he called them the dirty, the dirty components of the game where it's like you know, the offensive boards, the 50, 50 balls. It seems like the Suns collectively believe that 
that game three could have been a lot closer or could have swung their way if they didn't allow a lot of offensive boards. But that comes back to what? The, the eight and foul trouble. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think you can you can survive um, by putting, especially with Sarge out, especially with without Sarge and, you know, they, they really just do not have a, a backup big that is capable. Uh, Frank Kaminsky continues to get burned no matter what. So I don't think you can put Aiton on Giannis full-time to start the game. You might have to switch it up here and there. And that, honestly, Kane, might be the the answer to your previous question is you, you kind of hear, and, you know, me being around Ty Lue through media sessions, he says this all the time, like just continue to, to switch it up. Con- continue to diversify your defensive actions. Don't let a superstar talent, regardless if that's LeBron, Giannis, Luca, yeah, they went through it with Luca. That's why I remember that. Don't let them get comfortable with one thing. So you might just have to go on a on a five possession basis and and switch out your coverages, switch out your defensive personnel based on uh, how the game is flowing. Well, we got to talk about Built Bar now, Shane. Everyone knows that listens to this podcast with regularity. I'm a big fan of Built Bar, as is Frank, as is Justin. It's the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. There are nine delicious flavors they've got right now, but they're always adding. So in fact, they might even have more than nine, but you know where you can go to find that out. All you have to do is go to built.com and you'll be able to check out all those flavors. They're healthy for you, only 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calories are ranging from 130 to 180. There's only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. So uh, this isn't just a, a snack that tastes good. It's also healthy for you, which is pretty unique. So go to built.com. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked on for 15% off at built.com and then jump across to betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at betonline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NFL futures even UFC and MMA action. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams continue their runs through the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on there. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. So the concern I have for Phoenix, and you alluded to some of the numbers here, and I did a crossover podcast with uh, David Nash, who covers the Suns, does a fantastic job as well. But we both discussed the fact that if you look at the numbers across the postseason, Phoenix are, are not a good offensive rebounding team. They've been hurt with second chance points throughout the postseason, while the Bucks have been at the top of the pack in both of those categories. Yeah. And as I'm looking at the numbers here in front of me, offensive rebounds, per game in the in the series so far 13 to 7 in advantage of uh, Milwaukee per game that is so i mean that's that's a that's a ridiculous number okay to be getting 13, 13 offensive rebounds is just out of control but i would argue that the bucks only scoring 15 second chance points on those opportunities is an area where they probably still think they can get more of and i think that they did that in mm-hmm. game 3 they certainly capitalized but i do cast my mind back to game one where it felt like the Bucks weren't able to make a layup 
But points in the paint, 50 to 37, and then fast break points, 16 to 11 as well. So I guess this is, if I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, this is probably the area that I'm really concerned about because we know you've got the individual brilliance of Chris Paul. If you hit threes, which you should be able to generate open looks, that's how you can tilt it in your favor. But the size factor has been a problem. And I, I don't... I mean, they're, they're, I, it's not that I don't think there's an answer. There's no answer for combating the size of the Bucks right now. Yeah, especially, I mean, you, you know, I, I think what we underestimated on the Phoenix side might have been like, you know, Sarge is not great defensively in his own right, but, I mean, he's at least a body that can yeah. that could probably make you pay from, from a spacing standpoint, and you really can't help off that much. But, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think we underestimated – the non eight minutes, and it might be. It, it feels crazy to say, but like he might be the most important player on the damn team. <laughs> like he just might be because you know Chris is going to do his thing. I mean, I don't foresee Chris having a bad game. I mean, he, I feel like he's been pretty good, if not great, in a lot of these matchups. Um, Booker is the one that can really swing the series by getting hot. Obviously, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty cool that that Devin shouted or not shouted out, but uh, recognized. Uh, how special, you know, PJ Tucker and Drew Holiday were defensively. You know, someone asked him about, uh, you know, being matched up against them, and he said he respects them greatly. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool that he also said that PJ Tucker going against his physical aggression every day when during their Phoenix battles in practice really helped mold him into the player he is, especially you know maybe pulling up off the dribble. But I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think there's any you know drastic changes we're going to see lineup wise. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that in the finals where we know what rotations are going to be played. I don't think there's anything that's going to surprise us. Um, I, you know, I guess on the buck side of things, I kind of, after game one, I kind of didn't think Bobby Portis was going to be playable in the series. And then Mm -hmm. he proved me wrong. (laughs) I think he proved a lot of people wrong by how, how ready he felt in game three on the short roll, how ready he felt, uh, you know, spotting up, which that's always going to be his game in the corners, obviously. But uh, I, I felt like the moment was not too big for him. And, and it comes down to, honestly, all this we're talking about, it, it might just come down to home and road, you know, disparity and, and home uh, you know, road play, or, uh, role players playing better in front of their home crowd. So a series doesn't start until the, the home team loses, and, and I don't think we're there yet. It does feel like if the Bucks can find a way to win this game four, then it's destined to go seven. And yeah. it, it look, it look, it's following a similar path, obviously, for Bucks fans to the the Brooklyn series. There, it's it has been fascinating to me. I think after the first game, or even the second game, and watching Phoenix throughout this postseason, I certainly felt that the Suns just had more guys that you feel comfortable putting in a postseason mm-hmm. game. The rotation guys, they just felt far deeper than what. Milwaukee were but you know again you look at the yeah. the numbers the, the plus minus across the course of the series anytime the Phoenix starters haven't been in the game it hasn't gone well and and so yeah. it's 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 been kind of curious to see that play out despite the fact you feel like Cam Johnson for instance has been pretty impressive <laughs> dude Cam Johnson is doing everything and more that I yeah. you know it's it's been it's been awesome to watch his to watch him mold the season into the player he is I mean it not just a shooter I think someone had an article, you know, Cam Johnson is not just a shooter. He does he does a lot of everything. And uh, But I got to tell you, you know what my favorite number of this series is so far? <laughs> Go on. My favorite number is that the Suns, in the 93 minutes that campaign 
has not played. 93 minutes, the campaign has been sitting next to Monty Williams. The Suns are plus 12.8 per 100 possessions. They they cannot survive. It feels like they can't survive. I mean, maybe maybe he reverts that back to uh, normal campaign levels that we've seen against the Clippers and, and Nuggets whenever they go back to Phoenix, but it feels like the Suns just, just can't do any campaign minutes right now. It feels like when he's off the floor, they can extend their lead. They they are able to get better shots, you know. Although campaign is is like their one of their only hopes to get more rim pressure, to get more direct north to south penetration. It's a it's an interesting development that they can't put him out there. I mean, without him, they are scoring at a ridiculous pace, and they're defending at a you know average to good pace. I mean, it's like, man, what do you do with that if he if he's your backup? point and the crazy thing about this is the fact that in game one and he was a minus nine which is kind of curious to me because when the bucks were looking to make that run in the fourth quarter campaign was the guy that hit a three had a couple of layups uh, hit a floater Mm -hmm. there as well he was really really important and actually scored 10 points in that game but i agree uh, as the series has gone on the suns would certainly want a little bit more uh from him uh this game four it's a late one for the locals late one for you shane 8 p.m. tip-off, which we know is probably going to be closer to 8.10 or 8.15, whatever it's going to be. But it's it's just such a big game. I mean, there's no way I can look yeah. at this. And like I said, I mean, if the Bucks win this, I feel like it's going seven. If they lose, there's a real chance this could be wrapped up in five, which I, I do think would not represent how close this series has been so far. I do feel like that would be a, a bit of a shame if it wrapped up in five games. But again, we've yeah. seen two teams that have really played well at home, the Bucks are eight and one at home. The only game they lost was that shock to Atlanta. I think that game was was three points in the end. But you've been in Phoenix, you've been in Milwaukee, just from TV. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a long way away, although I, I have been in big games <laughs> at Fiserv Forum. But I'll say this: it seems like two pretty damn good home crowds. And maybe oh, maybe Phoenix could could tone down you know the fighting. The fighting is not totally necessary. I'll say well, that. But it looks like home court advantage. Not not even the fighting. Let's let's kind of dial back the uh, the congratulatory tweets and the and like the praising of the fights. You know, let's not reward right. it by giving the guy tickets to the Western Conference Finals. I thought that was bizarre, but I'm not trying to get into a locked on Suns fight. <laughs> so you know, whatever. But it's like, I think I think you're right. I mean, the the, the Bucks home crowd. You know, I, this is my first time here to be honest with you. So it's like. I don't really know what to compare it to uh, from a Milwaukee standpoint, but it, it was really loud. I thought it got, I thought it got incredibly loud whenever the Bucks capitalized in the. Was it the third quarter where Pat hit the hit the three to end I, the two in the third? Yeah, yep, yep, that's right. I think it was Pat content hit, hitting the three to end the third after uh, Cam Johnson slipped. So I think that that would have been it, and and it really peaked there. I mean that 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 crowd's intense. I will say, um, this has nothing to do with the Suns or the or the uh, Bucks, but the loudest arena I've been in happened this year. Uh, if you ever have a chance, I don't know if you ever would, but Salt Lake City is a fun place. It is a fun place to watch basketball. I know they get a bad rap for a lot of the behavioral stuff that's went on, but just. Getting in, getting lost and immersed into the moment, um, I, it it was unlike anything I've seen for that game two 
against the Clippers. I mean, you know, they're at the top of my list. I still have to go to Toronto. Never been there. I've heard really good things about them too. But Milwaukee, I, you get an A. You get an A plus so far for for the way you've shown out, uh, and, and at least in the game I've been to. No, I like it, and uh, I would agree with you. I've said this before, but going back, and this was a regular season game, so I've been in many playoff arenas, but that game yeah. that the Bucks played against the Jazz a, a few years back, it was on a Saturday night. It was just a, a random old regular season game, <laughs> and the ears were crackling. It was that damn loud yeah. in there. Those those guys are, are absolutely nuts. So maybe, maybe I don't know. I mean, I was told they don't have anything better to do on a Saturday night in, in Utah, <laughs> but I'm not sure. That's 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 what I was told. I don't know. Hey, the Warriors have the Warriors have told us that for years. <laughs> they have made fun <laughs> of the nightlife for years. So yeah, exactly right. And hey. People have been picking on Milwaukee. So, look, I'll just deflect a little <laughs> bit of that across to uh, Utah, to Salt Lake City. But, uh, look, I think we're both excited for this game four. I oh, think yeah. it's, it's going to be entertaining. Again, I think across the board, the numbers are pretty even and they're suggesting that this series was going to be as close as what we were thought we were going to be. And uh, like most NBA Finals games, it's going to come down to a few little plays. But you're going to be there. Uh, I do recommend yeah. everyone give Shane a follow on Twitter. If you're on Twitter you, man. at Thank Young you, man. NBA and check out his work uh, over at Forbes as well. Uh, he already mentioned he, he dropped a story this morning, so you can check that out. But man, this is this was good. This was a pleasure. You're in Milwaukee. The hotel in- internet has hung in there. <laughs> um, that's a miracle in itself, dude. It's not. It's a miracle, and it's also it's also fun just to to talk hoops with you again because you know. For people that don't know, the, the shoot-arounds can be either relaxed or you can feel rushed because there might be, like, you know, Boonholzer might be talking over here. Then you might get, you know, Eric Bledsoe at the time over here. You know, so it, it's not it's not a situation where you can really get to know someone. So, you know, I hope you get to come back, man. And, and I'm only a six-hour drive for now, so I'll make it back up. If they are defending their title, that would be one fun way to do it. Well, I love it. Again, thank you for taking the time. We'll be back post-game after game four. Frank will be back. We'll wrap it up as usual. Hopefully, it's a fun pod like it was after game three, and uh, and you guys can get around and enjoy that as well once you finish your partying uh, downtown in Milwaukee. But an 8 p.m. tip-off, so uh, I would say that the fans are going to be pretty well warmed up by the time this game tips, but it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, as I said. Uh, we thank everyone for listening. Thank everyone for jumping on board during this postseason run. It's been uh, a big thrill for me and Frank. So for Shane and myself, we'll catch you after game four. Enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys then. <laughs>